listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Great to be with you today. My name's Mark, if we haven't met. I'm so glad that you can be joining us for this current series that we're in the midst of. It's called Rebuilding Hope. And this is a really key subject, I believe, at this point in time that God wants us to focus on. At the beginning of this series, we ask the question, where do we find ourselves in? And in many ways, we find ourselves in this really interesting in-between place. We call it a gray zone. A gray zone is this overlapping, undefined space in between two eras. In many ways, that's what it feels like at the moment. Here in Australia, it feels like this overlapping time between covid Uh, But then you have the government has, in a sense, kept COVID out through a strict quarantine, but then COVID's still around. We have this overlap between COVID and post-COVID. We're not really in one or the other. We also find ourselves at this moment where COVID has also been this acceleration between eras. The world feels like it's radically shifting. There feels like an old era is ending and a new one hasn't been born yet. And we find ourselves in this interesting in-between place. Now, what's notable about when you look at overlap periods is it's really hard to get a sense of where you are. The usual markers where you find your bearings have often shifted. Perhaps they're there, but they feel like they are changed. And that's where we find ourselves at this interesting moment where things feel the same, but then also they don't. We ask the question, will we return to normal? What is the new normal? Why does it sometimes feel uncomfortable? And how do we find hope in this moment? As there's a bunch of disruptions happening in the world around COVID, and we see that playing out in people's lives, but listening to people and listening to the effect that COVID has had, one of the things that happened in the midst of those disruptions, and many are just about COVID, but also what happened is they began to dig into something deeper. What happened last year was that one of the ways in which we often find our identity as human beings in what we do was profoundly stopped. For some people, we could not achieve or travel or get what we did at work done like we used to. For many, this was a really disrupting thing. This attacked our sense of self. Others felt this weight off as we're able to just have a more simple life. But what it did scratch at was our identity. Another way in which people find identity is also through who we are connected with. We find identity in other people and through this period of isolation. And some of you watching this are in different countries around the world may find yourself in that same place still where you're disconnected from those who you find meaning in. And also we find a sense of identity often in what we can control. And one of the great messages of the last really 18 months has been that we're not in control as what we thought we were in control. So all of this has had a bunch of stuff around COVID, but there's something deeper going on for many people, and that's actually around identity. I think many people have found this as they've tried to re-enter into life. How do you connect with people again? How do you, in a sense, reconnect with the church again when it looks the same, but it feels different? And some people are asking the question, I'll, I'll just wait until it returns to normal. Others are actually you know, wondering if, if normal will ever return. Now, Hope around our identity is absolutely crucial if we're going to wrestle with this subject. And we're going to build on this this week, something we looked at last week. Last week, we began with this image we find at the beginning, the very start of the Bible, in the first couple of verses of Scripture, where we have this image of God 
creating in the beginning the heavens and the earth is what Genesis 1 verse 1 tells us. Genesis 1 2 says, Thou the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we have these various elements. We have the unformed chaos, the deep, the world yet to be made. We have the heavens, which often we miss. And what we focused on last week was actually the heavens. The fact that the heavens are created is this place at the beginning of creation, which mirrors God's will. This is where his rule and reign happen. This is where the dwelling place of God is. And we saw the interplay between the heavens and the earth, that actually what God's purpose is, is that this earth will actually mirror the heavens. Now, what I want to do today is actually dig more, not so much look up at the heavens, but actually this week look down at the unformed earth, the chaos, and learn the lessons this has to tell us actually about who we are. Now, the word chaos or unformed chaos is perhaps not the most helpful one. The biblical scholar Sidney Gridenus says this, Some biblical scholars prefer not to use the word chaos because the Hebrew does not use chaos, but rather several other words, such as without form, void, darkness, the deep, the waters. Another biblical scholar, John Walton, actually uses the term non-order instead of chaos. Now, what's interesting is this is important because often when we think of chaos, we think of chaos as intrinsically bad or even evil. But when we read Genesis 1.10, it actually says this, God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So this creation at the beginning that God creates is not evil. It's actually good. It's a way of thinking about it is that this is clay waiting to be formed by the potter. It's waiting for its activation into its purpose. It waits for the breath of life. Not order then is created because it is going to be imprinted with the heavenly pattern. And what the heavenly pattern brings is the divine designed order of God. Which means then we see this progression in the book of Genesis from non-order to order. That's what creation is. The establishment of this harmonious, divinely designed order of heaven on the earth. We also have this environment in the book of Genesis called Eden. And Eden then is this harmonious pattern of heaven, of heavenly order made out of non-order. And into this place, something is also created. Something is also made out of non-order. And we find out what that is in Genesis 2 verse 7, where it says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Humans are also created out of this non-order of the earth, animated by the breath of God. And what this tells us is when we are focusing in on identity like we are today is that you cannot understand yourself just by looking at the earth, which is what our culture tells us to do. That to understand our identity, we must understand that we were created with a heavenly imprint. And instead of just looking to the earth, we must also look to the heavens. In Genesis 1 verse 27, it says this, 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. We are created to be the image of God. In the Greek, the word is icon. And if you think about an icon on a computer screen, it's something that is touched. And when it's touched, you encounter and find yourself in the program. If on my computer, I click on and touch the Microsoft Word icon, instantaneously I am transported into Microsoft Word. And that's a poor metaphor, but in a sense it gives you a sense of what we are created to be, that when people encounter us, when we're operating in our divinely given purpose, people that encounter God because we're created in His image. And what this means is that humans, our identity uh, is, is we are created with an identity and a purpose. And these two are inextricably intertwined. So God doesn't just create humans. He creates them to be his stewards of creation. He commissions them. He gives them a call. He gives them a role. Genesis 2.15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We are called, we are made to cultivate creation. Cultivate means two words put together. It means both work and worship. And work takes different forms, but ultimately what work is in every one of its, its, its manifestations is the bringing of order to non-order. To care for a garden is to ensure that order is maintained, that it doesn't return to its original state. If you do gardening, you're pulling out weeds, you're cutting back trees. What you're doing is you're pushing back on creeping non-order into your orderly garden. And so humans are created to maintain the heavily pattern, the order of the garden. And this is a priestly work. You are called a priest ultimately is someone who mediates between heaven and earth. And so God calls humans to subdue the chaos. The biblical language is to have dominion over the order in order to maintain it. And our identity is to reflect God's identity and order in the world. In Genesis 1.27, it says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female who created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So the goal from the get-go, here was Eden, this place which was divine order, created out of non-order. And the goal from the get-go was actually that Eden was extend as humans, these image bearers of God, became fruitful as men and women that had children increased in number and filled the earth, imprinting it with the heavenly pattern, taking the presence of God through their work and worship to the ends of the earth. We are given dominion. We represent God's rule and reign in the world. That is who we are. That is who you are. That's our call. That's your identity. You are created as a child of God. You are created to be a holy priest. You are created to step into your godly authority. You are created to live in intimacy with the God of the universe. But why do we struggle to live like this? Why can we say these words and find it so hard to actually integrate them into our identity? Why are we more formed so often by the earth rather than heaven. 
Well, we find the answer for that in the story as a strange creature, a serpent, and a strange serpent who eats dust, eats the earth, a kind of chaos creature enters the picture. And Adam and Eve, who are called to subdue the animals, actually don't subdue this animal. In fact, this animal seduces them with his temptation. They are deceived. And what this means is that then the creation in which they live has this curse come over it. The scriptures write, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. There is this sense, and the end of that passage is, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. And what happens here is sin enters the world, and this changes the environment that they're in. Sidney Greatest says it in this way, life had turned into a painful existence in a hostile, cursed world. The blessed cosmos or order is another word for cosmos of paradise had turned into chaos. Not the original chaos, the non-order of Genesis 1-2, but now an evil, chaotic world. So what had happened is the world had moved from non-order, then it was imprinted with the heavenly order, but now sin had moved it to disorder. Disorder is different to non-order. Adam and Eve are deceived into trying to establish their own order in the world under their own strength, cut off from God's wisdom, power, and life. And this is the story of human history. This is your and my story. Sin happens when humans attempt to self-create their identity. Adam and Eve swapped out the life of God for their own self-created life, a self-life, not a God life. And we struggle with this every day. When it comes to our identity, we have often swapped out our God-given dominion for deception. And so we find ourselves living in this world which contains this mix of non-order, order and disorder. And this fact is made even clearer in these grey zone moments in which we live where nothing seems clear. And this is not true just of the environment in which we live. This is also true of us. There are non-ordered parts of us which are not necessarily sinful, but are yet to be developed and be released. And that release can only happen when we come under the Lordship of Christ and bring the Lordship of Christ into that area. There are parts of us which are order, parts which operate efficiently and which God is pleased with. But there's also disorder, sinful patterns which harm us and others. And so living in this way, focusing upon the earth, we see the gap between our lived reality in this place of chaos and the divine call that's placed on our life. And we learned last week that hope is the mental and emotional state which occurs when we realize that such a gap can be traversed. But where do we find hope to rediscover our identity? Well, 1 Corinthians 15.47 says this, The first man, referring to Adam, the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. Adam is from the earth. 
But there's a second man who is defined by heaven. The second man it speaks of is Jesus. And so the hope comes, hope comes when we realize that the gap between the reality of what we're living through, through this disordered world, the ways in which disorder comes at us and our sense of identity and actually our God-given identity, the way that that gap is bridged is through the person of Jesus. That is the foundation of our hope. And to understand this, I want to actually take us to something at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus' ministry begins and having understood the elements that we find at the beginning of Genesis, we see many of the same elements here. Let's look at Matthew 3 verses 16 to 17. It says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. We've got the element of the waters. At that moment, heaven was open. We have the heavens. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The Spirit's hovering over the waters. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. All the elements that we see in creation are here. Now, we see this is like a new creation. This is a new creation. But this isn't just Jesus with a bunch of non-order. This is Jesus coming into the world, the other side of the fall, where actually disorder has broken out in the world. Jesus is not just placing the heavily imprint and order upon non-order. He has come to undo disorder. He's also come to gather the remnant of faithful order in the world. And so Jesus, the obedient human, the second Adam, begins his ministry to defeat this disorder, to bring this heavenly imprint to earth. And the way this starts is a voice comes from the heaven and gives a heavenly revelation and affirmation of his identity. The scripture says, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. His identity comes from the heavens, not the earth. The foundation of his identity is the heavenly imprint. Jesus is the hope, the link between heaven and earth. And when we read this, we begin to understand that Jesus wants to imprint your identity with heaven. Rob Reimer writes this in his book, Spiritual Authority. And he speaks of the way in which often we look away from this identity given in Christ and we look somewhere else and how this happens to so many people. It says this, your self-life, so this is a different kind of life than the life we have in God. Your self-life is most strongly formed in your place of greatest wounding. The place where you are hurt the most growing up is the place where you will fortify the strongest. You don't have the ability to process the pain you experience as a child, so you build emotional walls to protect yourself. This deep wounding is where we learn to become self-reliant, self-dependent, self-sufficient, self-centered, and self-pitying. Our most painful wounding in our young life is where our self-life gets entrenched. 
And until the self-light gets uprooted, our identity in Christ is undeveloped. Let me read that again. Our most painful wounding in our young life is where our self-life gets entrenched. And until the self-life gets uprooted, our identity in Christ is underdeveloped. God, in his mercy, often brings about similar pain in our later years to give us an opportunity to die to self in the very place where self was formed so that the Christ life can be formed in us. This is a critically important process in our identity formation. This is huge. What this means is that at moments of disruption like we have been living through, where we're emerging, trying to find a new normal and struggling to find the usual banisters that we find support, our sense of achievement, who we relate to, things looking like they did in 2019, our jobs being the same, our offices looking the same, our friends all living in the same places, even our church congregations looking the same as they did in 2019. It means when this disruption comes, that often God will allow this because he wants to do a deeper work, which is not about the disruption of 2020. It's actually about stuff that happened when we were young and many of the patterns of disorder, perhaps caused by others, perhaps then caused in reaction by us. Actually, he wants to come to those places and bring his heavenly imprint. The discover where the disruption we're experiencing, the trying to find a new normal in a gray zone, therefore are actually opportunities to discover or rediscover our identity in Christ. This is hugely fundamental to what it is to follow God. It's essential that if we're going to live flourishing lives of human beings, stepping into the call, stepping into why we're created, stepping into our purpose as human beings, God reflectors in the world, extenders of his heavenly imprint, God's priests, his holy gardeners, his stewards to have dominion in the world in the ways that he created us too. We have to get the foundations of our identity right. And here at 21st century life in the world at this moment, there are so many things which offer you the chance to self-create and just replay Adam and Eve's fall again and again with technologies and ideologies and things to look to. But at this moment, the spirit hovers over the chaos, the unformness, the disorder in which we live. And the Spirit wants to do a new thing. And Jesus is there bridging the gap. And he's asking you to come back to him to center yourself in who he is and the identity that he gives you. That on the cross, he took all of the disorder that we brought into the world, all of our rebellion, all of our sin, and he took it upon himself. And now when God sees us, God sees Jesus. And the sacrifice that he gave. And we are told by God that who we are at our core essence of who we are, are his beloved sons and daughters. In Ephesians 1.18, it says this. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And that's my prayer. Now let's pray it now. God, we've been living through a bunch of disruption which has shaken the foundations. Some of us, we find meaning in achieving I found that shaken and perhaps now as life returns to normal, there's a temptation to go back to that. Others find a sense of self in others. We look to people, the people of the earth, instead of looking to the God of the heaven to define who we are. We find ourselves bringing disorder into the kind of relationships to where we should be bringing order. We find ourselves bringing chaos when we should be bringing the heavenly pattern. So we pray at this moment, as we've learned that we don't have control over the world in perhaps the ways we thought that we did, that we can't rely on things always looking the same. We actually ask at this moment that you begin to do a healing work. I particularly think of those early moments when our identities are formed. As people living in a world of sin, sin is ourselves affected by other people's sin. Those false senses of What is to be loved? What is to be someone of purpose? What is to be a good kid? Which sometimes point us away from who you are and who you've called us to be. And so just into that space, we ask you, come Jesus. We ask your Holy Spirit, which hovered over the unformed waters at the beginning of creation, which hovered over Jesus, as he came out of the waters and which hovered over the early church on Pentecost. Show us our heavenly calling. Show us our identity in you. Show us who you called us to be. Mark us with your heavenly imprint and your divine order, we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, be our hope. Amen.